0: Om Om sahana vavatu sahana punaktu sahaviryam karavavahai tejas vinavati tamastama ved vishavahai Om shanti shanti So This subject, where, what is the end goal this subject should take us? You're all giving up this Sunday morning to come here. This this must give you, this must have some value to you for you to come here. What, what, What do you think this knowledge should take us to? Attachment. Yes. Ultimately, less desires. Less desires. Self-realisation. Self-realisation. What happens when you self-realise? I mean, it's a word that we don't really understand.
1: So we generally go through through states of consciousness. Waking, dream, and deep sleep, and we're affected by what happens in the waking world,
0: mm-hmm.
1: assuming that you'd be less affected and less affected.
0: Um, and the result is, when you're less affected, happiness, happiness, peace, peace. peace. So, how do you? Tra- um, Trans, transform this knowledge to that the, to that um, end result.
1: Well, for me, oh, yeah. I think it's just incorporating it in everyday life when you come to a certain situation. Okay. You know, obviously, your knowledge helps you to deal with it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Good. Unselfish action. Unselfish action. <coughs> That's today's topic. <laughs> Reducing our desires. Reducing our desires. Yeah. So Swami Topovan he says, The unique state of serene peace can only be attained in a non-dual state. So long as man recognizes an entity outside himself, in other words, so as long as the world and God exists apart from you, you cannot have complete detachment or absolute peace. Do you mind We're going to go more in detail. Swamiji, Swamiji says, the unique state of serene peace can only be attained in a non-dual state. <coughs> So long as man recognizes an entity outside himself, in other words, so as long as the world and God exist apart from you, you cannot have complete detachment or absolute peace. True. If you've
2: got one more person apart from
1: yourself, you will eventually get detached. <laughs>
0: So, absolute peace can exist in nothing except Brahman. It's a statement he makes. So, this this word, non-dual, we're going to explain. Anybody know what this word means? Non-dual. You have to
3: see it in everything. You have to see God in everything.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely is correct absolute peace can exist in nothing except Brahman this can be attained by the complete negation of duality and this is our goal as a human being so right now we all consider the world separate from us God is separate from us isn't it We go and bow down to pray, mandir, temple, church. We look at God as a separate entity. Separate entity from ourselves. We see the world separate from us. Me and the world. Me and God. So the state of absolute peace and happiness, which is our goal, It's to become one with everything. So this knowledge helps us to understand and reach that state. When you reach that state, you then understand there is no difference between me and this world. No difference between me and God. Everything is non-dual. Dual Dual means two. More than one. Non-dual means there can't be anything else. They don't even say one because one may imply there is another. They say one, it could imply that there's something else. You said one or two. Non-dual means Nothing else. Right now we see ourselves separate from everyone. Our neighbours, our work colleagues, our friends, animals, nature, from everything. We see ourselves contacting the world as a separate entity. The minute you understand that everything is one, that there is no difference between me and my neighbour, No difference between me and my enemy, between me and this animal, no difference between me and God. Everything is one. What will happen? What will happen?
1: It's realising that you're the Self.
0: This is the practical sense I'm explaining.
1: Yeah.
0: This if is you it. you don't
1: see if you don't see anything separate and you see everything as one, then it's acceptance, isn't it, of mm. every situation, every person, and there's universal love.
0: Mm. Yeah. That is exactly what we're saying. You reach that state and you reach absolute peace, bliss, no agitations of the mind. You only have love for everything and everyone. There's an identification with everything in the world, identification with God. We are all part of this one entity. How can there be agitations, hatred? Everything is love. So this is the state we have to reach. This is the state we have to reach. When you reach that state, we have reached the goal of a human being. Then there's you understand everything is one. I am one. That oneness. And the result is absolute peace and bliss. See, we say self-realization, we say oneness, but in practical sense, what we're saying here is that you should love everything, you shouldn't hate anything. You should identify with everything as you identify with yourself. You You cut yourself, you hurt. The neighbor cuts yourself, you should feel the same. You see, this is identification. What's the difference if it's all one? Any questions? Clarifications?
1: So when we are praying and bowing down to something, because there's an entity that looks after cause and effect, helps us enables us to gain the knowledge assimilate it persevere with it mm. i can't say that it's m- me i i believe that there is a higher entity that yeah. is looking after everything so There is a duality then, isn't
0: there, I'm saying? Yeah, you're saying there's a duality, but that's because that's where you are at the moment. You need that duality for you to get to that oneness. You're not there yet. We're not there yet. So that's why we we feel the devotion to something higher to give us that strength, that courage. But once you reach that state, then you have the understanding there. But we're saying we haven't reached that state yet. Hence, we need that devotion. We need that uh, understanding. But ultimately, this is the state. When you love everything as you love yourself, then there's absolute peace. True? So this knowledge, when we as we study it, it helps us to understand that, to identify with that. So, what is it that I have faith in? That higher being. You're not. Are you? You're not in a. You're not ready to say I am God. At the moment, there's still that duality. You, me and God are separate. But as you develop, that oneness will will come. You understand technic- uh, intellectually that there's only one. Yeah, but you still need that duality for you to get to that state you can't do it if i say to you stop going into the temple just pray to yourself exactly because you haven't reached that state (laughs) (laughs) when you reach that state you won't want to (laughs) you can just look out the window look at the sun and understand i'm one But right now we're not in that state, that's why we need that. This is what we're saying. We need to be reminded. Some, for some people, you're only reminded when you're going to the temple. For some people, they look out the window, see the sun, the moon, the stars, they're reminded. They see the ocean, they see a sunset, sunrise, they're reminded. So it's different for different people but this is growth. This is where we need to grow to. According to Swami Dovan, this is the goal that we need to get to. Is that clear? So as you find, as you g- develop, you'll find you love more people. You identify with more people. That is your, that is your marker. Right now I hate my neighbor. The day you start loving your neighbor, you know you're growing. You're developing. Anita? Your neighbor, make sure.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're their neighbors, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we're on uh, chapter 5, Renunciation in Action. So a quick recap. We've had a week's break. What have we covered so far? So we said, once we have chosen our area of work, action, based on our, we choose our work based on our nature, Sadharma, you must perform the right action in life. Most people act from feeling and emotions, likes and dislikes from the level of the mind, this form of action can be bad for you. The world cannot cater to your likes and dislikes. So you get frustrated. Your actions need to be guided by the intellect. The intellect has to guide your likes and dislikes in all fields. You must do what you ought to do, not what you like to do. You see the difference? You must do what you ought to do and not what you like to do, whether you like it or not. You understand the difference, Drew? How do you develop the intellect? How do you develop knowledge? knowledge? <coughs> what else? What do you do with the knowledge? Question it. Question it. Reflect on it, preferably during sattvic time, 4 and 6. And that helps you develop your intellect. When your intellect is developed, you're in control of your personality. You're not going by your mind. You're always tempted by the mind. Jesus was tempted by the devil. Do you want all this? I can give it to you. I can give you everything. Jesus said, I don't want anything. Get thee behind me. Isn't it? It's in the Bible. So this is the intellect telling the mind. No. Not doing that. This is my obligation. Isn't it? An action cannot be labeled good or bad since it is to do with the state of your mind and not with one's gross physical action. It's the intention behind the action, not the action itself. So what is your intention? Remember we gave that example in a cafe where some guy started killing people. Another guy had a gun and he killed that guy. The action is the same. What's the intention behind the action? You may smack a child, your own child. What's the intention behind that? You still love the child, but you have to smack the child. To improve oneself, one needs to rehabilitate one's mind, purify the mind. The three yogas, bhakti, karma, jnani, are designed to purify the mind. What is the perfect action? This is what we covered so far. What is the perfect action? You without desire. Sorry? Without desire. Action without desire. Close. You cannot act without a desire. Desire prompts an action. But we're going to talk about that today. There, there cannot be any action without a desire. But there's different grades of desires. This is what we're going to cover today. But you're right in one way, desireless action. What is a perfect action? selfless, working objectively with a detached attitude, just doing what you ought to do, without worrying about the result, doing what you ought to do without worrying about the result. Your body is working, acting, and the mind is resting, mind has nothing to do with it, or if you're able to fix your mind on the higher, the self, atman, then that's the perfect action. This way you never get tired or stressed. Once the mind gets involved, you start losing energy. Why do you lose energy when the mind gets involved? Thinking, ahead. thinking of the... Huh?
1: Thinking ahead, thinking of... of the future. future.
0: Your mind worries about the past and the future. Will I get that deal? Will I make that money? Saps your energy. Keeping your ego out of it. If you become egoistic, your work suffers. Be a witness to all the things going on in the world without the feeling of attachment to anything or anyone. Life becomes fun. You enjoy life. At the moment, we are affected by everything. Don't be happy when you're praised or successful. Don't be miserable when you fail or someone says something negative. Ultimately understand, you're in control of your life, no one else. What others say is not important. Be true to yourself. Doesn't mean you don't listen to your mommy. Yeah? material objects mislead you means you think there is pleasure in material pursuit if I get that I will be happy it's not true we have said before happiness is not in the object or being but how you relate to it okay that's what we covered in this chapter so far yeah just to get everyone on the same page so now we're on three types of action is it anything Everyone got the page? Three types of action. So we don't have the big mic, so.
2: Three types of action. Human activities fall broadly under three categories based upon the manner in which they are performed. They are action performed with selfish desire, action with unselfish desire, action without desire. The first type of action is propelled by an individual's egocentric desire to satisfy his selfish motive. To gain personal profit, he toils and sweats all his life for procuring more comfort and pleasure for himself, which perhaps extends up to his family. He entertains no other ideal goal. The purpose of life does not reach beyond the egocentric acquisition and enjoyment. This is the lowest form of existence.
0: Sorry, I'll just explain. Yeah. So, what's the first one? Three types of action. All humans perform three types of action. Action. Action selfish desire he fulfills only his own desires maybe his family (coughs) there's no higher purpose this is the most common action performed action prompted by selfish desire A meets B and A thinks what can I get from B B thinks what can I get from A If A thinks, can I be of service to B? Instantly the action becomes unselfish. becomes more pure. But it's just human nature, isn't it? To be selfish. All of us are selfish to a certain degree. So that's the first type of action. Action performed by selfish desire. Second one. I mean.
2: Oh, second yeah. As a person turns spiritual, his work becomes less selfish. He visualizes a high and noble ideal in life, an ideal which serves a common cause. Directed to benefit his community or country, his activity is no longer confined to mere personal pleasure or profit. As a result, with the, with the as a result, the desire loses its selfish stigma. The ideal for which he works embraces the welfare of the people at large. He strives and struggles for their happiness. So
0: what's, that's the second type of action. Performed with unselfish desire. Can I be of service to you? That's the attitude. After you. One becomes more spiritual, has a higher ideal in life. His actions benefit a wider cause, beyond his family, like his community, his country. But this type of action is also prompted by desire, the desire to serve, help others. The first action is to help oneself only only person benefits is him that person may be the family the second type of action is different it's dedicated to the benefit of others but there's still an ego involved I'm better than you I'm helping you you need my help there's still a degree of ego in egoisticness in there does that make sense to everyone the attitude can be, he needs my help, let me go and help him. The action is the same. You're still being unselfish, but there's still an ego involved. Without me, you couldn't have done it. You have that feeling inside you, I help that person. Isn't it? So we're saying, you shouldn't have that. <laughs> it's not easy, this thing. Even though you're helping, you have to be careful of how you're thinking. (laughs) True. Is that clear, Deepa? Third one.
2: And as he reaches spiritual perfection, he becomes free from desire. Works with a sense of detachment. Merely does what he ought to do, with no desire propelling him to act. No anxiety driving him to gain the fruit of action. He lives in a state of fulfillment, revels in the bliss of his supreme self, enjoys self-sufficiency. None of these actions can give him any more pleasure or joy. He thus carries out his work in a spirit of renunciation. That should be your attitude towards work.
0: So that's the third one, the highest form of action action without desire you know Rishi you said action without desire this is the one but in in the context of the three actions it is action without desire but without desires you can't act so it's whatever desires you, you're not creating new desires that's the difference with all the other two actions you're creating new desires When this one you're not creating any new desires you're only acting on the desires that are inherent in you what you were born with that's the difference you become more spiritual no attachment free from desires meaning free from creating new desires you, you see the difference the other two actions you're creating more desires you know I helped that person it felt good I, I want to help more people because it really feels nice so you have an hour desire to help more people because boost your ego you feel good about it so you're creating more desires selfish desire, I want more, 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 more creating more desires in this one, you're not creating any more new desires action without desire you're only acting on the desires that are inherent in you this is how one should act in the world so when you're acting just based on desireless action, what are you doing? What are you doing? Just, what are you doing? Acting on what? As it says, you just do what you ought to do. What you ought to do. Without any motives. you a teacher, teach. you a housewife, be a housewife. Work for a company, just do your job role. No motives. This way, you reduce your desires. This is a perfect action. Right now, performing this action, taking this class, my attitude can be, what can I get from this group? Name, fame, money, power. Or it can be, how can I serve this group? The action remains the same. It's all internal in the attitude behind the action. It's all inside. What is my, how am I thinking? So the third one is very difficult to understand. Selfless action. Very difficult to, so if you just try to do number two, go, aim to get to number two. Unselfish desire, you have developed a lot. Just work from selfish to unselfish. That should be your goal right now. If you do that, you've come a long way. And the highest quality of action is what? Anyone? Highest quality of action. Selfless. Selfless. Any action that brings you closer to the self. That's the highest action you can perform you're coming to this class you're learning about the self so this is a high quality of action because it's going to help you to get closer to that entity so it, in compared to all the other actions you perform during the week this is regarded as the highest action that you're performing because this action will help you get closer to an understanding of the self yeah okay. And if you're morning studies that's your highest action you're reading studying learning about the self remember one thing only selfish people feel insecure no matter how rich it's the law of life you won't find any one single selfish person that's happy no matter how much what he's got whatever he's got it doesn't matter you'll never find he's happy if he's selfish only an unselfish person will find happiness. It's a law. Make sense? Okay, so you have a question.
4: Yeah, um, uh, our question is a clarification. Um, of the three actions, we have selfish desire, unselfish action, but what we normally call uh, selfless in the world without desire. Does it not follow from that that if it's without desire, only a self-realized person can act without desire?
0: Spiritual perfection. You're absolutely right, but if a self-realized person will still be acting on his um, parabda yes, he he still has to do that because he's been. When you're born, you're born with x amount of vasanas. And this is what you're eliminating, what you're, you're acting on. Now you have a choice, you can either reduce those, or you can create more. Correct? So, But when you reach that state of self-realization, you still have a certain number of vasanas which is propelling you. Until those are gone. So a person can be self-realized and still be acting in the world. Because he still has certain vasanas left which he has to get rid of. On that momentum. On that momentum. It's like the example, you know, the example they give. You go in the car, you're driving on the motorway at 70 miles an hour. If you brake, the car's not going to stop straight away. There's still going to be some momentum going. It may take you to another 500 yards when you brake. Even, or if you run out of petrol the car will still carry on to a certain amount of distance isn't it you don't suddenly stop as soon as the petrol runs out similarly the vasanas that you're born with even though you read self-realization there may still be a small amount of vastness left which you have to act out on because you're born with those but what we're saying is in this case is when you're acting, you're acting based on your current vasanas, doing what you ought to do, then you're eliminating your vasanas, you're reducing your vasanas, you're not creating new vasanas. This is what in this context is talking about. The Self-realization person is a, a different, it's a different context, but in this context, We're saying the best action you can perform is one which you're just doing what you ought to do because then you're reducing your vastness. Does everyone understand the difference? So that's what we
4: commonly call as selfless. Selfless. In the the material world we call that as selfless.
0: Selfish, unselfish, selfless. The third one is selfless. Yeah. Is is that clear, everyone? Three types of action. So be aware what kind of action you're performing. You're an accountant, just do accounting. Nurse, just be a nurse. Make sure British Airways keeps flying their planes. (laughs) 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 Yeah? Yeah.
1: Scenarios where we are happy or unhappy, or satisfied, unsatisfied, agitated, not agitated. You're saying that a selfish person is not happy. So, for example, if I'm not happy at work in a current situation, is it because I'm selfish then? Hmm.
4: (laughs) (laughs) You asked for it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> but if I was selfish so that means that selfishness runs in different areas I'm not so selfish all the time because everywhere else I'm happy why is it I'm selfish at work I'm not normally, or I believe.
0: I'm so confused. You asked you ask for it, yeah? You're asking this question. <laughs> well, because at work, you're, the reason you're unhappy is due to your selfishness. Why aren't they working like the way I'm working?
1: That's my ego.
0: Still, it's part of it. Instead of identification with them, this is their capacity, this is their nature, my nature and my capacity is different but you want them to be at your capacity and your nature so that creates agitations and unhappiness it's a form of selfishness not recognizing I'm better than them why are they doing it like the way I, I, should, I do it what makes you perfect compared to the, they might be saying look at her the way she's acting, the way she's working. They're agitated as well, looking at you. So any agitations? Selfishness, just remember that. (laughs) At home, I do everything you want me to do, that's why you're happy. (laughs) Because I'm unselfish. But ultimately, that's what it boils down to. But you see, what we said in the beginning, Swami Tapavan, you identify with everything as you identify with yourself, where would there be agitations? Your worst enemy is your best friend. How can there be agitations when you see that person? That's the sign of your development. That's That's why I brought that in today, to give you some idea of what we're talking about here. Next paragraph will answer your question. Is it who's reading the next paragraph? Is it, Is it you Is it from renunciation? Yeah,
3: renunciation
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.
3: Renunciation means getting rid of the selfish ego, vanishing egocentric desires, it is work minus desire, cast off your worldly motive to work, exercise the evil spirit of desire, do not become a slave to attraction and repulsion, be poised, objective in your work, like and dislike, desire and anxiety pollute your work, serve without a motive, service is worship, The law of life is that your mind should be at rest while your body is engaged in action. Let the activities rest in your mind as objects of the world. Rest on the retina of your eyes. Hills and valleys, flora and fauna, things and beings lying wholly, faithfully, gently on your retina. They do not burden the eyes. Your eyes remain ever free and unaffected, just so should your mind remain undisturbed by life's activities.
0: Thank you. What, what a comparison. Huh? What's this saying? What is, what's that saying? What does that say? Comparison. What's the comparison there? The uh, same way
3: your desires shouldn't. Your, you should be working without desires the same way you look at stuff. Yeah. And as soon as it's, it rests on your eyes, but your eyes aren't affected by it.
0: That's how you should be working. You're not affected by whatever action you do. No ego. You see a tree, a big oak tree. You look at it, does, it, does the weight go on your eyes? Yeah. Same way, the work you do, the workload you do, you should not be affected by it. Let it rest on your mind, like what you see rests on your eyes. Work in that way, unaffected very high state renunciation is eliminating the selfish ego working without desire and motive it should be objective in life it should not be influenced by your likes and dislikes law of life is your mind should be at rest while your body performs action you then perform the perfect action leading to success and happiness when the mind's are involved you can actually do more work it's the mind that saps the energy I did this much work how come this person ain't doing that much work just do what you have to do your capacity (coughs) don't worry about nobody else do what you have to do but it's a lovely metaphor
3: any
0: questions on that? This is how we need to approach any work that we do. So you start thinking, oh, why should I do this? That person didn't do it. Why should I do it? that's it, finished. These thoughts shouldn't come in your head. If you have the capacity to do it, you have the time to do it, just do it. Simple as that. The person who will benefit is yourself from that action. No one else. Okay.
3: Take a look at nature. Learn your lessons from the sun, moon and stars. They work tirelessly, impersonally. The good earth yields vegetation, the rivers flow, flowers bloom. Give out sweet fragrance with no ego prompting them, no personal motive, no selfish desire to fulfill. So too, too let your work be free from the taint of egoism and selfishness. Try to emulate the magnificence of nature. Rise above the idea of the little self. Banish the thought of doership. Discard the selfish ego. Your work then turns out glorious. You'll command prosperity and peace. But if you succumb to the ego, work suffers. You cease to be peaceful or prosperous. That is the law.
0: Nature gives without asking back. You go in the garden, you smell a rose, they say, I'll just put a couple of coins in here. <laughs> just gives. Doesn't want nothing in return. Sun gives sunshine, heat, light. The moon, you just look at the moon, the stars. And nature just gives. They work tirelessly. The earth gives vegetation. Only a human being wants something in return. This is what they say. Nature gives without an ego. Only a human being has an attitude of taking. We're all the same. This is, this is how it is. Isn't it? Isn't it? Only a human has an attitude of taking. If you act with ego, then your work will suffer. And this will affect your peace and happiness. This is a law. So discard your ego. Your doership. Rise above the idea of the little self. The little self is you. The big self is Brahman. Rise above your own little self, meaning your own ego. you'll you'll find peace and happiness if you don't and you succumb to your ego not only your work suffers but you're unhappy and you're not successful we have to uh, reprogram our whole personality to live in the world (laughs) isn't it from what we thought the right way to live this is telling us the right way to live It's no one's fault. This is human nature. It wasn't like this thousands of years ago. But, Kali as we go more and more into this world and time, the more selfish we're becoming, just look around. You, you would have noticed where, uh, what the age we are in this class. We have noticed how people are becoming more selfish. Even in our community, if you look, there's less people helping
1: it's the material
0: world everyone wants praise I did that you didn't do it I gave this much money how much did you give it's all ego just do what you have to do and get out be a witness to the world We've got such a small lifespan, you know, we think such great things of ourselves, but before you know it we've gone. No one remembers you. In fact, even our gener- kids, next generation won't remember us. <laughs> Isn't it? How many of us remember our grandparents? We don't. We do if
1: we
0: you know, you grew up with them. No, yes. but you know what I'm saying.
2: Grew up with them, yeah, the brainchild, if you've not
0: had the experience. But that that remembrance is very short. The time that you amount, you remember as you become older, is becoming less and less,
1: mm-hmm.
0: isn't it? So I don't agree. No, that's fine. But what we're saying is that our, the way our life is, that we'd be gone before, in a very short s- span of time. No one would remember us. This is what we're saying. Maybe one generation. Maybe two. Then they see a picture. Make okay. Who's that? Of course, it's different depending on how much time you spent with them. But it's just a general thought. So, don't give that much importance. Play your role and get out. This is what they're saying. Yep. Yeah, People carry the
3: impression that work suffers when desire does not stimulate it. They are afraid that work will come to a halt if they lose their desires. This is not true, as evident from the life of a child. The child is one of the most active beings, ever bubbling with energy, ever with activity. Yet the child has no motive or desire, no plan or scheme, hope or expectation in its mind. Similarly, in your life, there there needs to be no desire for success, no expectation of reward. In fact, desire and expectation impair your activity. All you need to do is let your intellect set a pattern of life and plunge into action. Not worry over the dead past, nor get anxious about the unborn future. Just act in the living present. Then alone will work turn productive, successful. Few understand this, understand this law. People are steeped in conservative ignorance. Do not fall in line with these ignorances. Stand with the fundamental principle of action. You will be crowned with enduring peace and prosperity.
0: So, people think that when you don't have a desire, your work suffers, it's not stimulated. The work will stop if they lose their desires. This isn't true. You think we need a desire to motivate us to work. This is not true. Child has great energy, even though he has no motives or desires. So much energy a child has, just plain. No desire. All you need to do is to make a plan for your life, the use of the intellect and then follow this plan. Don't worry about the past or be anxious of the future. Just act in the present. Follow this rule and you'll be happy and peaceful. Just do what you ought to do without any desires and get out. This is your role as a human being. You see, I... This, the ego comes in it I'm important without me this cannot happen they need me no it's not true nobody needs you but we believe our ego tells us that without me cannot work people make do without you that's the truth of life Anyone disagree? And especially in this country, we have social, social, social care and social services. It's that self-importance, we need to get out of that. See, this is reducing your ego. This is the whole subject. How to reduce your ego. Any questions? Did everyone understand the three different actions? Any clarification in there? Just try and be unselfish. If you take that away from this class today, you've learned a lot. After you. What can I do for you? How can I be of service? Just go with that attitude and you've achieved a lot. That's all. Just take that one thing away and practice it. Um,
3: yeah. Just it seems to be like a odd idea of you make a plan and you know you act on it. The fact that you have a plan then means you know you're acting on your, you're thinking about the future. And let's say when that doesn't, you're not going according to that plan. If you know that you're not going according to that plan, you then have a, you then need to, you know, either reassess it or go through that again. And then again, you're bringing up those desires of, you know, thinking about the future, or where you. How comes it this doesn't work, or how comes it doesn't work? So, is it just, you know, when it when it does go off, or when the plan doesn't work, or you just just carry on acting regardless of the plan?
0: See, if you make a plan, then you have a goal to work towards, mm-hmm. and you have a direction, and that's the that's that's the main reason for doing it. Okay. Now, you may have to reassess that plan regularly. When you're a child, you might say, I want to be a pilot. Now, as you grow older, you think, okay, that's not achievable. So you're reassessing your goal in life. And as you go along, you may need to do that more than once. But you have a general idea of where you want to get to. And you're working towards that. Right now, you may be studying in university, a particular subject. That gives you a direction of where you're going. Now, in that field, you may change certain things because you may not enjoy the job that you get you may want to take a different job in a similar field so that's reassessing as you go along but in the general direction of where you want to go and where you want to be that's what you're following if you're studying engineering and you become an engineer you can't suddenly say well I now want to be a doctor you may want to and you may change but the chance it's unlikely so there are, there's the setting of the big goal of where I want to get to, what I want to do in my life, and then there's reassessing the smaller goals. Okay. This is what they're saying. But constant reassessment is necessary. Am I, getting, am I on track? What do I need to do? But the goal is set by your intellect. Okay. But it just seems that those
3: are like that thoughts so, of, oh, am I on track? What do I need to do? are so close to being anxious
0: about where you are on that track or where you are on that track. So what we say in Vedanta is to backwards plan. So let's say you have a goal, in 10 years I want to be here. Yeah. So what they say is you plan backwards. Where should I be in five years time? Where should I be in two years time? Where should I be in one year's time? Where should I be in six months? Where should I be in three months? Where should I be this month? So, if you backwards plan, then you can see every week or every month where are you on track. That seems like a, adding
3: another step for anxiousness.
0: Not necessarily, but this is what they're saying. You may not get to that goal, but you're trying your best, and that is your vasanas. Those are your desires, so you're reducing them, doing what you ought to do. But the other, what's the opposite? You're just aimlessly doing whatever every day. Waking up, I think I'll do this today. I think I'll do that today. Where is that taking you? Okay. So that's the opposite side.
3: Okay. Well, my thought was that if you plan, but without a time frame, you're then constantly on the clock. Doesn't well. matter. It's not about you know when you get there. Just then you get there.
0: That all depends on your attitude. See, if you if some people, that's fine. That works. Yeah. You're not worried about when I get there, but ultimately this is where I want to get to. My goal is self-realization. I don't know when I'll get there, but this is the direction I want to get to. What must I do if this tells me what I should do? Let me practice what I can do to get there. When you'll get there, you don't know, but you've you've set your goal. In that sense. So you're working in a particular direction. Your energy is going in one direction, and not everywhere. Through? Makes make sense? So we got to about 15, 20 minutes, so we we'll just go over the beginning of this chapter. Is everyone up to it? Yeah. Yeah? <coughs> Anybody? Is that you? Emotion and intellect. Oh, I didn't read it before, but I could if you want. Yeah, you want to read? Just take it slowly. So, Chapter Six: Strength of Emotion.
2: Emotion and interaction. The philosophy of Vedanta is profound. It eludes the grasp of the common person. Its true spirit has been lost, time and again. Critics raise an objection to Vedanta. They believe it incul-
0: oh, inculcates,
2: inculcates callousness. callousness. That is the little regard for human relation. Destroys humane feelings. Makes one indifferent. Irresponsible towards the affairs of the world. Their criticism is baseless. Untenable. Ironically, Vedanta and mm. gender's chaste feelings feelings. it only changes the quality of feeling from sensual to sublime Um, transforms the character of emotion from personal to impersonal selfish to unselfish preferential to universal converts the frail form of emotion into a pillar of strength in fact the transformation is brought about by the clarity of thought that it develops. Thus does Vedanta rehabilitate, regenerate humanity with humane, human nature. Yet, it is, um, yet its great blessing is misconstructed and denied to the human race. So
0: this is the general thought of this subject. People misunderstand it. The common person misunderstands (coughs) the subject. This knowledge actually helps you develop deeper feelings. Takes you from being selfish to unselfish. Increases your love from just your family to all living beings. Strengthens your emotions. It shows you how to develop yourself into a perfect human being. Isn't isn't this what we're saying? Does everyone agree? But a person who has not studied this subject, doesn't know anything about this subject, doesn't understand this subject, thinks it's destroying relationships. You don't care for anyone else. This is their own misunderstanding. Most people function on surface emotions. person who studies this subject acts from deeper emotions the greatest emotions are deep you don't express them you go to a funeral I'll give you an example go to a funeral, everyone is emotional crying you are in control of emotions you are in the class we talked about birth and death about attachment so even though you feel deep emotions within for the person who passed away you don't show it on the outside people think since he or she's been going to these Vedanta classes every Sunday she's become cold unemotional and everyone else is emotional you still feel you feel more than the other person but you don't express it So people think this person lost no, had no feelings. They don't understand because they have not studied this subject. You're in control of your emotions. This is the difference. They're not in control of their emotions. They can't do anything for a week because they have no control over their emotions. If everyone is like that, how who's, how, how, how things gonna, how, how things are going to work out. If everyone falls apart, so you have the clarity of thought, you have an understanding of life and death. Maybe the best thing that happened to that person. Some people celebrate death. You know, in some certain communities, they celebrate death and they celebrate his life, who he was, how he was. And they understand death is inevitable so they have a party in certain uh, Caribbean communities they call it the wake they have like a party to celebrate his life so what it's saying is if you let your emotions control you it can destroy you So, people who don't understand this subject, they think you're cold. When they don't understand you have such deep emotions, you, you have such deep feelings. Just because you don't show it, doesn't mean that you don't have it. Isn't it, Deepa? You don't have to show it. So, if you act on your emotions, it means problems. And in many Shakespeare plays, this is what he highlights. Everyone understand that? So this subject actually gives you deeper emotions, deeper understanding. Okay.
2: People wrongly people believe that a person imbued with Vedanta is devoid of emotion, not realizing that Vedanta only cautions humanity against the onslaught of emotions. The flood of emotion can overpower you, victimize you, literally destroy you. William Shakespeare portrays the truth magnificently in his plays King Lear, Othello, Macbeth, and others. You must therefore keep your emotions well under control of your discerning... Dis- concerning... concerning intellect. Be a master. No slave of your passion. You may entertain passion and not turn passionate. Harbour emotion and not become emotional. Have sentiment and not be sentimental. Emotionalism upsets your intellectual balance and poise. Passive um, subservience to emotion ruins your material and spiritual well-being. Your intellect, rather than rather than the impulse of your mind, should guide your life's activities. Do not fall prey to your like and dislike, nor yield to your feeling and emotion. Learn to be self-sufficient. It is the
0: prerogative
2: prerogative of the human race.
0: This is your God-given right. (coughs) Emotions can destroy you if you act on your emotions. So, many of Shakespeare's plays, Kirk, I know you did English literature, highlights this. I know you find Shakespeare plays boring, but it highlights. This is what he highlights. What happens when one acts based on his emotions? Example? Any example? Anybody know any of Shakespeare's plays?
2: Uh, King Lear.
0: King Lear, yeah. What happens in King Lear? Uh, He
2: had three daughters. Yeah. And then I think um, he gave away his wealth to the first two. Yeah. And he didn't give anything to the third. Mm -hmm. And then when he felt ill, it was his third daughter that actually looked after him rather than the other two. So he was emotional whilst giving everything away. That's as far as I can. Can
0: you remember why he was emotional?
2: (coughs) I think because he felt... He regretted his.
0: No, when he gave his wealth away, what prompted him prompted to give him the, the wealth to the two daughters, and not the oh, third one. That. Anyone know?
1: Maybe she can look after
0: him. <laughs> it's the actual opposite. the th- The two daughters that he gave the wealth to flattered him. You're such a great king. You're like this. You're like that. Fed his ego. Such a great person you are. The way you handled that was amazing. They just said what he wanted to hear. The third daughter told him how it was. You should have done it like this. You know what? You were wrong to do that. She was talking the truth. He said to her, I'm going to divide my kingdom. You sure you don't have anything else to say to me better? And she said, no, this is the truth. So he gave, you're getting nothing. You have no respect for me. So I gave it to the two daughters who just told him what he needed to hear. Then the younger daughter married a French person, didn't he? And she went to France.
4: If anyone wants to see that, sorry to interject. Um, it's on Netflix at the moment, a modern take of King Lear with Anthony Hopkins. He's doing the main main role okay. in a boardroom sort of scene. There you go. It's actually very, very good. What's it called? King Lear.
0: So he gives it to the to, to two daughters who just massaged his ego. And when the time came when he, he needed someone to look after him, they didn't want, want to know. The third one actually truly loved him. That's why he told him how things were. His eldest daughters both then reject him. So King Lear goes mad. He's wandering around in the forest like a madman. When his third daughter returns, he sees the state of, she sees the state of him. One action, based on likes and dislikes. Based on his emotions. Destroyed everything. This is highlighting. When you when you do an action, what's it prompted by? Your mind, emotions, or have you thought about it? If you had thought about it, you would have known these two... I don't trust them, but the third one, she's always told me how things were. Who shall I listen to? But no, he went on his emotions. Destroyed him. So so he's saying one act can destroy your life if you don't think about it. If you act on your emotions. Othello is another one. Racism, betrayal, love, revenge, forgiveness. All the emotions you can think of. Macbeth. Such a boring film. We have to watch these in the ashram. (laughs) Seriously. <laughs> Macbeth Macbeth was the worst. Kills the king. Macbeth kills the king. The king helped him to become who he was, but he kills the king. His wife says, You you should be king, you should be king, so he kills the king, becomes the new king. But it haunts him, he becomes mad. Kills more and more people out of paranoia. I'm gonna lose my kingdom. So you, if you watch some of these uh, Shakespeare plays, this is what it highlights when people act on their emotions, what happens. So you have to control the emotions of your mind with your intellect. Use your emotions, but don't become emotional. You have a child, you might have to be angry at the child because it's not listening. But don't become emotional. You're using your emotions, you, the child can tell you're angry. Okay, mom's angry. But you under, inside you're laughing. <laughs> you know. Inside you feel love and affection for the child, but you have to show anger. So we'll stop there. You. Okay, question.
1: How do you know if the action that you've taken, if you're primarily more emotional than intellectual or intelligent, sorry, your action is propelled by your mind and not your intellect and your emotions, how do you know which was which? Sometimes you don't know until the end.
0: When you react. Use your mind. I'm talking
1: about an action that you might just take.
0: Have you thought about that action before you do it?
1: Sometimes you can't think. You don't
0: have time. So you need to develop the intellect so that when you're making a decision, you can be aware that split second. What's the propelling action? Is my emotions, or is how I thought about it? You may not need to think about it more than a couple of seconds. But when you react to anything, that's normally the mind. wife says something and you suddenly start shouting and screaming at them. It's the mind. Emotions. How oh dare. You take a step back, think about it. That's the nature. I'm not going to react. That's the intellect. Let that blow up some steam. It's okay.
4: Thought by usually in
3: certain afterwards you can tell if you were, you know, mind driven intellect. But if you do the same thing again that you did then, then you probably you're probably doing it based on intellect. If you're doing if you're gonna do something different, then you know because you because you're not in that moment anymore, you're using your internet. So you
0: Any re- thing. Any regret after the action, it was the mind. If you have any regret after the action, it was the mind. If you did it with with the intellect behind the action, it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. You did the best of your ability. You couldn't have done anything more. Right or wrong. You acted best to your capacity. But if you have regret, a chance was a mind. I should have done it differently. I should have not said that. Why did I do that? Because you reacted. That's the mind. Mind reacts. How dare he? Do you know who I am? <laughs> Be conscious of how you react. <laughs> Think about it for a second.
4: Um, your first question today when you said what what Does everyone want to do with this knowledge? Uh, Intellectually, we understand that okay, self-realization is the ultimate. But practically, we would all have different goals as to we may not. We know self-realization is achievable in your lifetime if you put in that self-effort to actually get there, measure it, and actually achieve it. But in reality, in practicality. Most people will have different goals from getting this knowledge, so we might say, OK, right, okay, a simple goal that you can measure, I want to be a better human today than I was yesterday. Uh, and you can see that actually happening. Um, how do you assess that on a regular basis, um, as opposed to just setting your target too high? I. Just look at self-realization. We know the book tells us that's the ultimate, the ultimate bliss in the fourth state and what have you. But in practicality, we may not actually get there now or in this lifetime.
0: So it's um, being realistic, first of all. Mm. Yeah? Assessing your personality and, your, and who you are and where you are in your life right now. And then taking it from there. Anyone can achieve whatever they want to achieve. There's nothing stopping them. Depends on your own self-effort. How strongly is that desire to get to that, to that goal? Yeah? You can drop everything today and book a cave in the Himalayas. That's how strong that desire is. Yeah. So it's, it's being practical. Um, you, you understand where you are today. How many times was I unselfish today? So, How many times was I selfish today? Tomorrow you work, You may work towards learning, trying to become more unselfish. You're actually changing your attitude slowly. Let's say you're a completely unselfish person. Yeah? Then you might be thinking, well, how can I develop more? Okay, you know, whenever I help, I feel this ego of mine. You know, I did that. I did that. Let's see how I can reduce that. How can I eliminate that? You might need more knowledge. You may need more reflection. It's just purifying that mind of those negativities. It's it's giving you instructions how you should be, how you should develop. Do the three yogas. That helps you purify the mind. So long as you feel, as long as you're following those instructions and um, you're aware and you're assessing yourself, you will fall down. Yeah, we all do. But it's how quickly you pick yourself back up again and get on the path. That's what matters. We'll all all fall down. That's what I said. How quickly can you pick yourself up? You know, I missed my morning study yesterday. I had a late night the night before. I'm not going to miss it this morning. I'm going to sleep early tomorrow morning. I'm going to get up. Oh, well, you know what? I missed it this morning. I just won't bother this week. That could be attitude, isn't it? I've got a few more late nights. So let's forget. I won't bother this week. So it depends on your attitude, how strong that desire is to develop yourself as a human being. Only that those goals only you can set, because everyone's starting point is different. You may have to work more on yourself. You're more of a highly selfish person. But maybe completely unselfish. You may have to make less effort. So does that everyone understand? Only you can be, uh, only you know how much effort you have to put in, where I am, where I need to go to, and how I get there. This is just guiding you. We're so fortunate we've got self-realized people who have written this down and guiding us, otherwise we'd be lost completely. Bhagavad Gita, Krishna, Upanishads, all those things are there to guide us. But only, only us individual can put in the self effort. No one can make you do it. You know, everyone's journey is their own. You can't take your wife with you; she can't take you with her. Most you can do is bring you to class. After that, it's up to you. <laughs> this is how it is. Is that clear?